Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Chapter 3, verse 1, And the Lord said to me, The Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethek of barley. That's about 15 shekels there and I said to her you must dwell as mine for many days you shall not play the whore belong to another man so will I also be to you for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince without sacrifice or pillar without ephod or household gods afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This, uh, chapter 3 is five verses long, but it is so encouraging. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you are a faithful God. You've been so faithful to all of us. We thank you for the grace that flows from heaven, and Lord, may our hearts respond to that, to your love, grace, mercy, as is the only right response, is to honor you and to bow our knees before you because our King is coming back. And so thank you, Jesus, for loving us to the end. Amen. <clears throat> Who can really fathom the love of God? Have you ever thought about that? We know love to a, to a certain extent because we're in relationships. We love our spouses. We love our children and things like that. But we can only love in a limited way. Our love is by no way perfect. And when I begin to think about the love of God, when I begin to think about how God loves us, it literally blows me away. In fact, Paul, when he was praying in Ephesians chapter 3, says this marvelous prayer. And part of that prayer, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, what a prayer to pray. The Apostle Paul himself, who probably knew the love of God more than anybody in the New Testament outside of the original disciples, would be Paul himself because he was an insolent man. He was a man that was an opposer and an antagonist and a killer of the church. He was trying to do everything he can do to stomp out and use all the power within him as a lead Pharisee in that day to try and stop this movement of the church that was happening. And God all of a sudden shows up on the road to Damascus and saves him. Wasn't anything Paul was doing. He wasn't seeking the Lord. It wasn't like, I'm going to go to Damascus and see if this thing's real. No, he was going to Damascus to do some harm to the people of Christ, to innocent people that were now living a holy life and now living for the glory of God. And he was going to do harm to the church when God steps in 
Jesus shows up and saves him. And here's a man that's now writing to a church that he had planted. In a prayer, he prays that you would know the breadth and the height and the depth and the length to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Really, who can really understand the love of God? And yet in chapter 3 of Hosea, which James Boyce, Dr. James Boyce, says is one of the most powerful and most important passages in the entire Old Testament because it really illustrates what God was doing in his redemption through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And so as we look at this marvelous passage, we see God's steadfast love towards his people. And there's some characteristics I just want you to write down. They're in your notes as we go through this. And hopefully, this is my goal, is that you would understand when you leave here today a deeper understanding of God's love, that you would understand to a greater depth what God's love really is for you and for me. Some of us don't realize that. We think God is some guy in heaven, some God in heaven, like the gods of the Greeks and the Romans that was there to strike people down when they got out of line, to cast them aside, to wipe them out if they didn't honor it. But that's not the heart of God. In fact, the entire Bible is about God, a love story of God redeeming lost humanity to himself. And you that are here and that were lost at one point, and I don't know how lost you were, but it doesn't matter. We were all lost without God. We understand that God loves us. And we also understand the more we search the riches of the gospel and we see the excellencies of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that it even becomes more and more difficult to understand how deep his love is. But yet, nevertheless, that's his prayer. And that's my prayer for you and my prayer for myself, that I would understand deeper. Because the deeper we know the love of God, the more that radiates through our lives day in and day out, wherever we're at. So the first thing I want you to take note of in this passage in Hosea, in this marvelous chapter 3, is God lovingly pursues his people. Notice that Gomer, the unfaithful wife, is off again, going into no man's land, and yet God is telling Hosea to go get her to go get her. He says in verse 1, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Now remember, Hosea is told to marry Gomer for one specific purpose, and that is to illustrate what it is for God's people and their unfaithfulness and God faithfully loving his people to bring them back. And so we see here in Hosea chapter 3 that he is once again commanded to go and get his unfaithful wife. And Gomer left her husband, committed adultery. The phrase go again means that Hosea had already been married to this woman who is not named, but it is obviously Gomer because he says go again go again. Some commentators would say that it really isn't speaking of Gomer, it's speaking of another woman here, but I don't see how that can be true when I look at the text. And the reason Gomer is not named 
in Hosea chapter 3 is because she lost her identity. She lost her identity. She forfeited that through adultery. And that's really what adultery and idolatry do to a person. It destroys their identity. The more unfaithful they are, the more they lose their way and the more that they lose their identity. When God's people begin to drift off into idolatry, they lose who they are. That's why sometimes you sit down, you have a conversation with somebody and you're talking to them and you're like, man, what's up? And he says, man, I don't even think I'm saved. I'm saying, well, that's not true, but sin has a way of doing that to a person. It makes you feel unsaved. If you're truly a person of God, a child of God, then, yeah, you're born again and you're going to heaven. But if you live a sinful life, if you drift off, that's one of the consequences. You begin to lose who you are in Christ. And that's why people all the time in my office are repenting and getting right with God again. They went after the sin for a short season. They found out it took them to the woodshed. And they said, man, I'm returning to the God who loves me. And that's what happens. If you're there today, I want to encourage you that if you don't know who you are in Christ and you knew at one point, you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were saved, that you were one of God's children, that you were born again, and now you're like, man, I don't know if I'm saved anymore. Because of the activities that you're participating in, know this, repent and get right with God and you will find out that you're a child of God. The Bible has a lot to say. He's wanting, like, you know, Hosea to go after Gomer. God is wanting Hosea to experience the pain of his own heart when his children drift off. When Hosea is going through the pain and the hurt of an unfaithful spouse, he's getting a picture of what it looks like for God's heart to pain and to hurt when his children go off and commit spiritual idolatry and adultery. The Bible has a lot to say about adultery. Adultery is condemned by God and his law forbids it. In fact, it's number seven of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. It says, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery breaks the marriage covenant in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. It says, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. It not only does that, it destroys individuals and societies as many of our social ills are rooted in adultery, and we live in an adulterous generation today. You're seeing that on the social level. But it was also punishable by death in Israeli culture. In the nation of Israel, when they were delivered from their bondage, God was seeking to make a holy nation out of them, and there had to be the idols driven out of their hearts. So many times the standards of God were a lot higher for that nation coming out. In other words, if you committed adultery, it could lead to death. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22 says, if a man found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. Adultery was a serious thing on a physical level in the life of Israel, but it was also a serious thing in 
the spiritual level with God. The key phrase in that verse 1 and in this entire chapter is the phrase, even as. I want you to see that. Love a woman who is loved by another man is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, that's what he's doing. He's using this as an illustration. The marriage of Hosea and Gomer as an illustration of what it looks like for God to love an unfaithful people. So Hosea is to go get Gomer, even as the Lord loves Israel. Let's look at what the Bible says for a moment about the love of God. Number one, the love of God is eternal. This isn't in your notes, but if you want to write it down, that's cool. You can look them up later. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to him from afar away. <clears throat> I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. It is a giving love, for we know in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. It is a holy and just love, for we know in Psalm 33, 5, it says he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. It is a sovereign love. God chooses to love people. That's why it says in 1 John that we love him because he first loved us. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, concerning Israel, he says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. In other words, there was nothing special about Israel. There was nothing they could bring to the table, and yet God still Love them. It is a sovereign love, or it is an unfailing and certain love, Isaiah 49, 15 to 16. It says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God will never forget Israel. It is a pursuing love as God told Hosea to go again and love the adulterous woman. The children of Israel's hearts were always straying. When you read the book of Judges, you see that Israel goes through these cycles that they're God's people one day and then they start to drift off in idolatry and then they reap the consequences of idolatry through an enemy coming in and conquering them because they're no longer under the blessings of God. But then all of a sudden... God will bring them to repentance again. They repent, they get right with God, and then they go off and they drift off in idolatry again. It's an interesting story when you read the book of Judges because they go through this cycle. You say, man, I thought they would have learned their lesson by now. And then I look at my own life and I think, man, I'm no different than Israel sometimes. My life, you know, drifts off at times. My heart drifts off at times. I'm not going to throw any stones at Israel. Because the only one that ever batted a thousand on the face of this planet was Jesus himself. But the key is this, that you repent and you turn back towards the Lord. Even in their turning away from the Lord, God still loves them and he still desires them. That is amazing. This is why God tells Hosea to go love his wife again. Because God will always love his people God will never quit loving his people, and that's why his love is called steadfast. 
So God will lovingly pursue his people. How many of you know that God chased you down? Right? I mean, oftentimes we say, man, I came to Christ on certain day, June 18th, 1991, I came to Jesus. And really, I repented of my sins. But really, if it was stated accurately, Jesus ran me down. And he's the one who found me. When we say we found Jesus, we got to remember, Jesus was never lost. We were. <laughs> we were. So he will pursue you. And that's the love of God. He will pursue people and he will continually. But God also lovingly redeems his people. Look at verse 2. It says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lepek of barley. And I want you to see here, go on. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the horror belong to another man. So I will also be with you. God lovingly redeems his people. And what's interesting about this, Hosea obeys the command and goes actually and buys her off the auction block. She's now in slavery. She not only left Hosea's house, and she not only went out there and started committing adultery and being unfaithful, but she also suffered the consequences of her sin. And there's usually about three views that concern this. Why would she be on the auction block to begin with? I mean, it was against Israeli rule, Israel rules and laws to buy and sell a wife. You couldn't do that, really. A husband couldn't say, I'm going to sell you my wife. <laughs> could have a sermon on that alone, but you weren't allowed to. So people come up with three views. The first and traditional view is that she had fallen into slavery and Hosea had to buy her from her owner. The second view is that Hosea bought her from a second husband, and this is most unlikely because we have no indication that Israelite men could buy somebody else's wife unless they went into debt and they were on the auction block for that reason. Third view is that Hosea sent Gomer out of the house. She fell into poverty and finally gave herself over to slavery in order to survive. So whichever view that you hold to, the point is that she's on the auction block and she's being sold into slavery. I don't know how many men would be like Hosea knowing the unfaithfulness of her and going and buying an unfaithful wife back. It's one thing if the wife knocks on the door, and this can go vice versa, really, when we talk about spiritual adultery, we're talking about both men and women. But Gomer never went to the door, knocked on the door and said, take me back. She just ended up on the auction block and Hosea is told to go buy her. Not only are, are you going to receive her back, but you have to go buy her back. And the price for Gomer was about 30 shekels, was about 30 shekels. When you take up what's in verse 3 and you add that up, it was about 30 shekels. And that was about the price of a slave. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, it says, if the ox gores a slave, in other words, if you have an ox that gets out and it attacks somebody else's slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. But Hosea is told to redeem an unfaithful wife here, and it is a picture of God redeeming his people because he loves and he desires them. 
Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. What a beautiful statement. God is the only redeemer of his people. You have to understand that. He redeemed his people from captivity out of love. Deuteronomy 7, 8 says, But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God redeems his people to reconcile them back to himself. That is always his heart. First and foremost is reconciliation. He redeems his people because sin breaks relationship with him. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 2 to 3 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. But yet God lovingly redeems his people. That's fascinating. I always tell people the attributes of God never dry up. In other words, when he gives, there's never less than. It's not like you're digging out of a bucket of water. You know, you've got a cup and you're pulling it out one cup at a time and it gets emptier and emptier and emptier and emptier. With God's resources, he never gets lower. It doesn't matter if it's his grace. It doesn't matter if it's his love. It doesn't matter if it's his righteousness, his holiness. Nothing ever depletes. God never depletes anything. He can give all the love he wants, and yet he's never lower on it. And that's fascinating. He redeems his people out of love, but God lovingly corrects his people too. And that's what you see in verses 3 and 4. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore, belong to another man. So will I also be to you, for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household god. Now, what Hosea does with Gomer here, there's views on that too as far as buying her back. And she comes back into his house and he says that she'll dwell with him many days that they don't have sexual relationships in the marriage during that time. And most scholars will absolutely say that that is true, but they say that this was an eternal punishment on Hosea's part. In other words, there was never a point where he was going to fully restore her as his wife. And yet the dwelling many days is indicative of what God's going to do with Israel. So it was never permanent. When he brought her back into the house... They abstained from sexual relations in the marriage until she was fully restored as a wife. And that is a picture of God correcting Israel. He even says in verse 4 that the children of Israel shall dwell many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. And we know through history that this is in fact what happened to Israel. When God brought judgment, you remember one of the children were named Jezreel, meaning scattered. God had scattered the people. In 722 BC, the Assyrians came down, they took him away captive, and Israel has never been the same since. And that was the disciplinary hand 
of God. And the purpose of the discipline was to bring them back to him eventually. And you have to understand that the disciplinary hand of God is a sign of his love. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.